Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. How are we doing? Oh, you can do better than that. How are we doing? Man, all right. That's better. I know it's 9 o'clock or 9.30 or whatever we are now, but, uh, you know, we got to wake up. Um, so this is our last passage in Colossians, our summer series. And if you know it at all, especially Paul's letters, that means we just have a bunch of names and greetings and stuff like that. And you're like, how can you get a sermon out of that? You know me, don't you? I can get a sermon out of anything. And in fact, it's one of my favorite passages just because it has so many names. These are real people. Um, but here's the, the main thing I, I want us to focus on. And I know it's a small little piece of paper. And if you're like me, there's no way you can read that from way back there. But it just simply says God's calling. God's calling. And what, it, what, what we're implored to do today is to step into that. That's why I put it on a door. Um, I like to use Bob's door because it's easier to open than mine. Um, and uh, I'm always turning lights off after people. It's like being at home, I swear, right? And, and so I want you to think about God's calling on your life, and every Christian has one, right? And that, and that uh, sometimes there's excuses, or sometimes we, we fall back, but God calls us to step into it. You know, when I was, I've, I've told the story many times, um, when I was, came to Christ in college, was in my early 20s, and engaged at that time, and um, soon after that, I remember saying to Heather, like, I feel God's calling me to something big, and, and yet he keeps saying it's big, but it's, it's really going to be hard. And I, I have, since then, I've tried to forget about the hard part, but it reminds me of that often. And, and, and I just didn't really know what that was, and, and Heather was like, oh, you're a new Christian, don't worry about it, everyone thinks that, you know. But I'm like, no, I really feel that, but it, it, it takes steps throughout your life. And I, I remember... Um, uh, again, we, we graduated, we settled in this area, and we were in this church, and, and uh, uh, the youth pastor at that time asked Heather and I to become youth leaders and work with teenagers, right? And uh, there was part of me that was terrified of that, part of me sort of like, I, I guess you really want me to do that, right? And so that was, at, at that time, God's calling. And with a lot of pushing and help from Heather and others, right, it just took that stepping into that calling. And um, later on, a number of years later, um, I really felt that God called me to full-time ministry. Uh, except the problem was I didn't have a single credit of seminary, zero experience except for, you know, all the jobs that this church gave me. Uh, and, and there I was like, this is just not going to work, God. I, I, I feel you calling me to that, but I, I don't have all of the, 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 the dotted I's and the cross T's. Right? And I was too scared to, to go to our, our pastor at that time, Pastor Kurt, who was here. And uh, so uh, Tom and Chris Dion, who are here this morning, uh, they went to him and said, Jamie needs to be a youth pastor. And uh, I was scared that, that they kind of made the bad move there. But Kurt then said, I wonder where his office will be. And I said, oh, maybe I am called to this. Right? And, and by the way, everyone needs Barnabases like Tom and Chris were for me. And, uh, and so kind of pushed me along, and I stepped into that. And, 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 and for a while, that was great. And then three years later, the church had, had gone through a really rough time, and nobody else wanted the job. And I felt like God had called me to be the lead pastor. And I had no experience. And there's a lot of people that said, that ain't going to work out so well. Don't do that. And yet, God called me to step into that. 
But I want to say that in between all of those and since then, there's been many times where I didn't step into what God called me to. I failed at it or I turned away or made excuses or I just was selfish or just said, no, I don't want to do that, right? And, and so what I want us to focus on today, what is God calling you? Every single believer is called, has God's anointing, gifts, abilities, experiences, passions, right? And a calling to step into something. That might change over the years, right? What God's calling you to do at home, at work, in your community, and in church, all the different ministries. What's God calling you to step into? That's where I want us to focus today. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us a calling. That's why we're here. We could be doing so many other things, Lord. And yet each and every person, praise you, Father, has decided to gather with your church, with your people, to celebrate you, Jesus, to celebrate what you've done through the Lord's Supper, to celebrate um, your great love for us, Lord. And I thank you that you have put a calling on every one of us, Lord. And I'm asking you through your Holy Spirit to show us what that is or to encourage us to keep going if we know what that is. And Father, let me just be a vessel for you, for your word, for your truth, that we might leave here changed and empowered to live greater for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in your name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so we finished, as I said, finishing off Colossians. So if you, uh, we'll put it on the screen, but if you want to follow along, always good to do that because we're going to go through kind of quickly. It's Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. We'll take it right to the end. Um, if you uh, uh, don't own a Bible, feel free. I try to say this every week. Sometimes I forget. Um, feel free to take one of the, the pew Bibles home with you. That's our gift. Uh, we think everybody should have God's word. So, uh, but if you do want one at home and you want to use it and leave it, that's fine too. So, uh, as we uh, turn there, I know there's a lot going on. You've seen some announcements and all of that. Uh, but there's a couple things really quick uh, coming up this week on Thursday night at seven. Uh, we're just going to have a really just quick but cool evening. We're going to do some worship, prayer. Uh, we're going to go over also have some refreshments just to dedicate the new uh, space that. Um, we've just really praying, not just, oh, great, we have new bathrooms or a new kitchen, but that it will do, God will do in that space for generations to come what we ask him, that we're pleading with him, that gospel work would be done, right, in that space and amongst so many different people. So uh, we're going to celebrate that, uh, but we're also going to just ask God together to do that. So that's Thursday night. We'll send more information out about that, but put that on your, your radar screen. And also at the, the last weekend of September, we're going to have another believer's baptism. That's pretty exciting. We just had one. We have more people that want to be baptized. So if you're a Christian, you're in Christ, but have never had a full dunking, we call it, full immersion, um, which is just a beautiful physical way to manifest your identification with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. See me if you have questions about that. We have plenty of room. We can definitely uh, include you if that's something that you need as well. So that's the last weekend of September. Even if you can't make that and you want to be baptized, we can certainly still contact me and we can talk about that. All right? All right, good. So as, as we get to this last passage, like I said, we're going to see a bunch of names that Paul, it's really broken into ten names, okay? The first two are going to take the letter of Colossians to Colossae. 
okay? Uh, and, and because, you know, they didn't shoot off emails or faxes or uh, they, they didn't really have a postal service or anything like that, so, it, it, certainly like we do. So, so they didn't want to entrust this letter with a couple of these guys. They also brought the letter of Philemon, it's in our Bible, and while they were on the way, brought the letter of Ephesians to Ephesus um, that Paul wrote, uh, all from prison. And, and so you have those two, and then the next six are just uh, those, uh, they're all guys, and they're with Paul uh, because Paul's in prison, and they are saying hello. And then the last two are on the other end. They're in the receiving end of it. But what I think we, we learn a few things. We learn, first of all, Paul was an incredible uh, people person. That doesn't always come out, right? Like Paul's yelling at the Corinthians or, you know, he's, he, he's, he's kind of correcting issues. And sometimes we just see Paul as a serious doctrinal theological guy. And, and certainly there was part of that in him. But, and he was zealous for the Lord. But he was absolutely Love people. You, you know, over the, the book of Acts and his letters, you can count over a hundred different names that were associated with Paul and his ministry. And you know there was, you know, hundreds more. Those are just the one, names that we have. And so he was an amazing people person, but also, I think even more uh, to the point for us, is that um, it's not a one-man band. Right? This isn't just Paul and he brought the gospel to all these places and the rest of us just said, oh, great. He had so much help from so many people who had God's calling on their lives. Right? It might have been similar to Paul in some ways, very different in other ways, but God used their personalities, their experiences, gifts, and abilities within that ministry to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Right? And so you, you see that with all of these names. And so in verse 7, Paul writes, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that, we may, and that he may encourage your hearts. So Tychicus, you can see in other places in the Bible, um, but he has this calling that Paul is going to send this letter to Colossae. Right, and and he and he gives him the the church his resume because they obviously don't really know him well, and he's like he's going to encourage you. He's not just going to hand off the letter and say goodbye. He's going to pray with you. He's going to answer questions that aren't in the letter about how Paul's doing and and what you know they're they're obviously anxious about you know other things that the letter doesn't cover. And Paul's entrusting Tychicus to do that, right? But he's not the only one that he that he entrusts. He also will have someone with him. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Now, you remember Onesimus? He's the runaway slave. In the book in the Bible called Philemon, he was the slave owner that Paul sends Onesimus back. Onesimus, under Paul, after he ran away from Colossae, came to Christ and became very valuable. And so now Paul's sending him back, not as a, you know, tail between the legs, criminal, runaway slave, but what? He is one of you. He's a part of the body of Christ. He's a beloved brother. Receive him that way. And he's got a calling. He's actually going to join Tychicus, and they're going to uh, answer questions. They're going to fill you in on stuff. Amazing renovation in that guy's life, right, because of, of Christ. He says, um, uh, he goes on now to, to give us those six people who are sending greetings. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. We can see that guy in different places as well. He always seems to be in trouble with Paul. And here, he's the only one that Paul mentions is in prison. 
So that which got Paul in prison for Christ, Aristarchus is right there with him. So he says hello. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. You know Mark? Full name's John Mark. He wrote one of our Gospels, the Gospel of John. Mark, don't get confused, right? And uh, so he, he also had a lot of ties to Peter. A lot, of, a lot of, of scholars believe that the Gospel of Mark was mostly the eyewitness testimony of Peter and um, uh, the, the church in Rome, as well as Paul. It wasn't always that way, but we'll get there in a few minutes. Um, he didn't always have great success, right? But he's, he's with Paul right now saying uh, hello. And he, and he also says, and Jesus... Don't get confused, okay? This is a different one. That was actually a pretty common name in those days, but a lot of times they went by a different name for obvious reasons. Who here would want to be named Jesus? I I wouldn't, right? So Jesus, who is called Justice. We don't know anything else about him except he's there with Paul. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So those three were Jewish Christians. So they were of the Jewish faith. They came to Christ. He's the Messiah, right? So now there's three more. These are going to be Gentile Christians, those who were never Jewish. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Okay, so we've already seen Epaphras. Most likely, uh, he's the guy, he came to Christ under Paul's Ephesian ministry, and he brought the gospel to Colossae, to Laodicea and Heropolis, and started those churches, right? And remember now, this false teaching that has got Epaphras so upset and worried for his church has caused Epaphras to go to visit Paul in prison, right, and tell him about it. And, and Paul tells, look, Epaphras is saying hello, but in the meantime, he is literally, like, think of Jacob. He's wrestling with God in prayer over you. He is working hard. He is in deep anxiety. This is basically a pastor, right? Somebody who's just so concerned for his, his church that he cares so deeply for. It. And he's wrestling with God over this church. He's saying hello as well. And Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. We know Luke, he wrote the gospel of? The gospel of? All right, good. AP course here, okay. And, and uh, we learn a couple of things about Luke. He was a really uh, beloved companion of, of Paul, but also he um, was Gentile because he's listed in the Gentile group here. Uh, so not ever Jewish, just became a Christian under Paul's ministry, and he's a physician. So that means he would have been really, really respected and highly educated, and yet all of these guys have a calling of God on them, right? So also, Demas, uh, we don't know a whole lot about him, but he things didn't end well for him, but we'll get to that as well. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, and to Nympha, and the church in her house. So there's the ninth person mentioned. This is a woman named Nympha who uh, lived in Laodicea. So Laodicea and Heropolis were very close to Colossians, and they were sister churches. And so clearly, he says, hey, I want you to say hello to that church in Laodicea, especially to Nympha, who had opened up her home. Maybe a widow, probably had some money, so a big enough home to open it up to have a church there. And so Paul greets her specifically. Again, another calling that she had, open up your home for the church. 
And she answered that call and, and did that. And so, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So isn't it cool? He's going to have, this kind of shows you how Paul's letters are scripture. And they weren't just read in the churches that, that were originally received it, but other churches as well. So he says, hey, I want you to read this in your church. And I want you to go over to Laodicea, read it to them. Right? And you know what's cool is all summer long in Cornerstone Church, we've read it. And so many, many, many churches in between. And we'll continue until the Lord comes. The letter of Laodicea, we don't know what that is. That's a lost letter. Um, there's been a lot of theories over the years, but truly we just don't have it. It wasn't preserved as scripture, but it was an actual letter that, that Paul wrote. We know of others. He's ri- he wrote four to the Corinthians that we know of, and only two are in our Bibles. So uh, we don't know what, what that letter was, but Paul clearly wanted them because they were sharing issues. He says, hey, make sure the Laodicean letter is read in Colossae. Okay? So as we get almost, we, we round home here, um, verse 17 is kind of what, what got me to thinking about this one topic of the calling of God in your life. And he says, he goes, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now why is he calling this one poor guy out? Is he rebuking Archippus? Is, he, is Archippus kind of not doing what he's supposed to do? Maybe. Is he encouraging Archibus? Maybe he's really down and disappointed and kind of ready to give up. Maybe. It's beautiful that we don't know. All we know is Paul says, tell Archibus that fulfill the ministry you've received in the Lord. Keep going. You have a calling of God. Step into it, even if it's hard. Even if there's other things that that are drawing away your attention. Step into it. You see, we know his family was in the Colossian church, so it's possible that he was as well. Some think that he actually had moved and was in the Laodicean church because Paul had shifted attention here. And maybe even the pastor there, right, or one of the key leaders there. We don't know. That's what I love. It's because what Paul is saying could be true to each and every one of us. Fulfill what God has called you to do. And, of course, he finishes up. With verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. I love that. It's the last few words to remind us, to ring in our ears and in our minds and our hearts grace. Don't forget God's grace as you do this. He asked for prayer. Remember my chains. He signed it with his own hand. Usually you you would almost always dictate a letter because Parchment was scarce and scarce, and so he wanted to get somebody who could really write and make use of the, the space. And so Paul would dictate it, someone would write it, but then that last line he would write to make sure they knew it was from him. And it's kind of like a signature, right? But grace be with you. And so here's just what I, I want us to get out of this before we go. Step into your calling. You see, to see the names here, or the over 100 associates uh, throughout the, the Bible and Romans, there's 26 of them that, that are mentioned, right? That, that, that there, all of these men and women have callings that they need to step into. It teaches us, again, that it's not a one-man show or a few people and the rest of us just sit and cheer them on. That's not what this is. That every single believer has been given a calling. In that letter that, that he wrote from the same prison, to uh, Ephesus says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that awesome? Like if you're a Christian, God has prepared works long before you knew God, 
long before you were even born, God has prepared a calling for you, callings for you, works for you to do to bring him glory, right? He's prepared you uniquely with gifts and abilities and experiences. I was talking to a, a, a young woman who was in church last night, staying with the dressers. She's a missionary in Africa, and she uses art and creation to bring the gospel. And she was telling me how they do that. And I'm like, that's a perfect example of somebody who has a passion for art and says, how am I going to use this for God? Right? Maybe for you it's music or, or teaching or uh, preaching. Or it, it's, uh, you know, you, you love to work with babies in the nursery or some other way. Or maybe uh, men or women or uh, teenagers or young adults or uh, the homeless or the sick or those who are in prison. Or like, it, it, it's just, there's so many. I hesitate giving you a list because I don't want you to think, oh, he didn't mention the thing that I want to do, so it must not be a calling. No, right? God puts callings on you, right? And they do change over time. So whatever maybe he called you to uh, last year, five years ago, or ten years ago, is different today. Be in tune to that. That's my point, and step into it, right? To, to say, God has called me, not, not for me to tell someone else to do it, but he's called me, because these gifts are supernatural. That's what's cool. The Bible says that you and I, if we are Christians, right, we are given supernatural gifts to use for the eternal betterment of people's souls. There is no bigger purpose in your life. Gavin, I'm a parent. Bigger purpose because those souls are eternal. Your kids or your grandkids, right? So I'm not saying you throw that out. I'm saying that think of that purpose as even bigger than, than just making sure they get fed and clothed. But for the betterment of their souls or, or whatever that calling God puts you in. Those, those names in that list we just read. All different situations and gifts and situations that, that they're, they found themselves in. That they are for the betterment. And so when we do not step into the calling of God. Let's be honest what that is. It's saying, I don't care. That's what it's saying. You know maybe not voice it. It's saying, I don't care. I don't care about the eternal betterment of people's souls. I care about what I want to do. God, when he saved you, he didn't just save you so you get to go to heaven. He saved you for a new creation, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And so what we want to do is to step into your calling and specifically step into your calling despite your failures. I have failed, in my opinion, far more than anything I would call a success. And what I mean by that is trying a ministry, something in ministry and it didn't work, or not doing it and I know I should have. Giving up before I should have. Now let me do this, okay? Let me ask you a question. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, raise your hand if you feel like you've ever failed at something God has called you to do. Go ahead, raise your hand. Now look around, look around. Good company, right? Bunch of failures, amen. All right, here's the problem with that. Okay, that the failure keeps us from what God calls us to do today. It can be that, that door that feels locked. It's like, you know what, <laughs> last time I tried this, it was a mess, or I, I, I had my dad, I just, you know what, I'm just, let someone else try, right? That's what failure can threaten to do. Well, where do you get this from this list? Well, every single one of these uh, people, one way or the other, failed. But my favorite, okay, is the story of 
Mark. Right? Mark. You remember Mark? You know his story? He uh, is the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas literally means encouragement. And Paul, when nobody would trust, because remember, Paul was the persecutor of the church. Everyone was terrified of that guy. He comes to Christ. He's like, what can I do? And they're like, stay over there. Right? And Barnabas says, no, 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 no. Barnabas was just always, come on, come on, come on, come on, Paul. We got stuff for you to do. Right? And encouraged him. And eventually Barnabas and Paul go, they're ready to take off on a missionary journey. And Barnabas is like, let's, let's bring my cousin, John Mark. Let's bring him with us. Paul's like, okay, right? And so they go, right? And they, things get a little tough along the way. And, and Paul and, and Barnabas are ready to go. And, and, and Mark's like, I'm leaving. And he turns around and goes home. The Bible doesn't, the book of Acts doesn't tell us why. But what we do know is that ripped Paul to shreds, right? It was because it says the next time they were going to go on a missionary journey, right? Uh, you know, Barnabas, of course, is like, you know what we should do? Bring Mark again. Paul's like, are you kidding me? That guy? We need courageous people. We don't need someone who's going to leave us on the road. Forget that. And Barnabas and Mark split up, right? I mean, Barnabas and Paul split up. And Barnabas took Mark and Paul took Silas. And so the Bible's kind of silent about what happened in those relationships. Except when you get to reading some of Paul's letters, including our letter that we have in Colossians. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, right? If he comes to you, welcome him. Clearly, something had changed. We know he has ties with Peter and the Roman church. He wrote a gospel, right? And, he, and, and even one of my favorites, this is um, from the, the, the second letter of Timothy. This is when Paul's in prison again, and he's about to die for his faith. This is it, right? The, the race is, I've run my race, right? My final lap. And in that, of all the instructions... He tells Timothy, get Mark. Bring him to me. Bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. So somewhere in that time, great reconciliation was made. Isn't that beautiful? There was a parting of ways. There was a failure on Mark's part. And there was probably a failure on Paul's part for not, you know, giving him another shot. And and yet here they are. And of all the people in his dying lap, like last days, he wants to see Mark. What if Mark, after his first failure, had said, I, I'm, I can't do it. I screwed up. We'd, we wouldn't have the gospel of Mark. We wouldn't have all the ministry that he did in the Roman church. And we wouldn't have all that he did in the ministry with Paul. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to keep stepping into God's calling even if I failed in the past. And that's what we need to do. Like, you have failed. So have I. Probably many times. And it's hard to feel like a failure. I feel like that a lot. I've told you, and this resonates a lot with people that have have commented on it, that uh, Satan loves to accuse me in the middle of the night or the early hours of the morning. Anyone agree with that? That's when you feel the worst about yourself for some reason. Well, the, a couple of weeks ago, I woke up, it was like 4 in the morning, and I'm like, I need more sleep. But all of a sudden, it was weird. It was like every single thing in my life, personal, ministry, everything, it was circling through my brain, and it was spitting out failure. <laughs> failure. And, and even things that hadn't failed yet, like, oh, well, it's going to fail, right? I say, even chuckled. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, how bad am I, really? And, and so, but I couldn't get it out of my head, and I got up, and I'm like, well, Maybe I, should, I need more sleep, so I tried to I use the bathroom. I'm like, I'm going to try this one more time. Go back into bed and get into bed, and it's still, you can feel it. I'm like, this isn't going to work. And then something occurred to me. 
And I literally said out loud, not too loud, and when I wake Heather up, that would have been a whole other issue, okay? So it was just kind of softly. And, and I, I was like, you know, Satan, I have failed. And maybe I am a failure. Maybe I am. But I'm with Jesus. And I'm always going to be with Jesus. And he's never failed a single moment ever. Now shut up, I'm going to sleep. Two minutes later, because I realize it's not about me. You're never going to fail when you're with Christ. Because ultimately when you step into the calling of God, whatever might happen, you please God. And is there really anything better than that? And so what I'm imploring all of us to do, to, to step into that calling, despite your failure and despite uh, your past. And I don't mean just your failures or your past, but your past. You know what I mean by that? Like what you might be labeled. Because some of you might be like, you don't know, who I, like, Jamie, I know I'm a Christian now, but like who I was. I can't do anything big for God. Like I, I, I can't do that, right? But what about the, on this list, we have all kinds of people with pasts. Like Paul, like can you get, he called himself the chief of sinners, didn't he? Persecuting the church. And, and he was in charge of, of killing people. But my favorite when it comes to the past is our runaway slave, Onesimus. Onesimus. The bottom of the barrel, slave. There's nothing worse. A runaway slave. Could have been killed for that, right? Runaway slave comes to Christ. Now Paul's sending him back. He's one of you. Listen to him. He's a beloved brother. And so I don't know if you're sitting there saying, wow, I, I, you know, I was a prostitute. I sold my body for money. I was a drug uh, abuser or drug dealer. I, I was a deadbeat dad. I was a mean, angry jerk. Everyone knew it. Like, people label me this still today, and I'm here to tell you that you are not defined by your past, not when you're in Christ, right? Your past does have no, has nothing to do with your present or your future. Let other people label you whatever they want to label you, but God labels you in Christ. It's, it's, as we've already seen in this letter, it's paid in full. It's gone. The cross paid for it. The blood was shed, covered it. Your past, that's not how God sees you. Freely forgiven and forever forgotten what your past is. You are his. Now step into the calling that he's given you. And don't be afraid because of some label that someone has put on you. A former slave becoming a beloved brother. And so are we, beloved brothers and sisters. Step into your calling also despite the struggle. I'm not even going to put a verse up there because every single one on that list that we read and any other list that you're ever going to read struggled in ministry. Like this, for some reason, just doesn't get taught in seminary. It's going to be hard. I think they're changing it now and are teaching it a little bit more. Because, because, oh, this is going to be great. And that's what I thought. Man, they're going to pay me to do ministry. This is going to be wonderful. And it was like, oh, my goodness. Right? But it's the most glorious calling. Expect struggle. I mean, Paul's resume, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, left for dead, imprisoned multiple times. Right? Eventually killed for his faith. Right? You, you have uh, Aristarchus. I, I love that one. You don't read much about him except he was with Paul in Ephesus when there was a riot and he's, he, was, he, he was exposed himself to great danger. And now here he is in prison with Paul. Later on, he's going to go to Rome with Paul. You know what that means? He was shipwrecked with Paul. I mean, at some point, if I'm Aristarchus, I'm thinking, I'm not hanging with you anymore. I'd be like hanging with Angela Lansbury, you know, back in Murder, She Wrote days. Come on, those over 60 know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, all right. 
Okay, I would never hang with her. Someone dies every episode, right? So you're hanging with Paul, and it's like, man, shipwrecks and imprisonments. And yet he stayed the course. It was a struggle. Epaphras has that heart, right, wrestling in prayer, struggling for the church, right, that, that, that any, anyone in ministry, and it's not just pastors. If you, you have a small group, right, you struggle with prayer over them, or if you're, you're working with kids, you struggle with prayer, you, you have your own kids, and so constant wrestling with God, right, this is a calling that is going to hurt, and it's going to be exhausting. And so what I want to do is encourage if you're already stepping into that calling, you're like, I'm, I know what God's calling me to do, and I'm, I'm trying to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm weary, or I'm feeling like it's going nowhere. But keep going. Don't let that, that struggle, you know what it tells you? It tells you you're on the right path. Because what you're doing is you're fighting against the entire world system that hates the gospel. And so as you do that, there's going to be the arrows that are going to come your way. But don't let that stop you. Let that encourage you. Jesus said, man, I had trouble in the world. So will you. But I've overcome the world. And remember that. That you are with Jesus. Sabbathing is a biblical principle. Some need rest. from, And and that's good. You need times of rest. But, But think of your Sabbath not as, you know, endless years of the golf course in retirement. Okay? That's not Sabbathing. Think of it more as the image. Have you ever seen a boxing match where, like, in between rounds they sit in the corner and, you know, the manager cuts their eye or something like that, and, and they're just resting in between the fight. That's what Sabbathing is, to gain your energy to get back in there and step into the calling God's given you. And so if, if, uh, you're, you're, if you're about to step into the calling, expect struggle. It's okay. That's why we do it together, so we can encourage each other. But don't let struggling stop you. And so we just want to step in. I want you to step into your calling today. I want you to think about two, uh, or, um, really one of these guys that, that really isn't mentioned much, but uh, he's in this list, so I just wanted to put him before you, Demas. Demas is mentioned three times in Paul's letters, once in the Colossians uh, uh, here where uh, um, he's just mentioned, and then in the letter to Philemon, he's, he's called a fellow worker to Paul, right? So who's Demas? Well, later on in that letter that, that he wrote to Timothy at the end, right, he mentions Demas again. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So Demas didn't step into the calling God had for him. Why? I think the biggest reason we don't, a love and desire for this world. It is so enticing, but it's like, it's often like for you Charlie Brown fans, you know when Lucy used to put the football down to Charlie all the time? Every time you're like, don't, Charlie, come on. And every time, woo, right? And he would just keep thinking, I'm going to kick the ball this time. This time she's going to, and it just always ended the same way. That's what the lure of the world does. Here's how it, it, it tends to work. We see the glittering lights of something, something good, like you had a nice weekend, a nice dinner, good food, good drink, maybe good vacation, or, uh, man, some career success, you made a little money. None of those things are sinful. Those are good gifts from God. But when we get a taste of them, we think, this is my purpose. And we see the, the, the lights, or we see the football, and it just keeps moving because it never satisfies. Because for the Christian, if you're not a Christian, have no interest in God, then sure, pursue the world. As sad as that is, it's all you're ever going to have. But if you're created in Christ, you have such a bigger purpose. 
right? And, and yeah, there's good gifts along the way. But as we try to pursue those like Demas did, we lose sight of who we really are. We lose sight of what God has given us, this, this facade of, of lights that, allure, that allures us away. And I think the time that we've been in the last couple of years has added to that, this malaise that we're under. Ugh, the world and ugh. COVID and blah, blah, right? And, and all of us, me included, it's just like, forget it. But don't forget it. God's calling hasn't changed because of, a, a, of anything going on out there. If, in fact, it should crystallize it. The world needs us, us, to step into the calling God's given us. Needs us to do that. So I, I, I want to uh, close with this verse that Paul, that kind of got me thinking along this way, reading this passage. And I want you to apply it to yourself. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. What is that? What is that? This fall, there's going to be so many opportunities. You've already started seeing them that we create, whether it's serving in ministry, whatever your thing might be, prayer, babies, kids, teens, uh, elderly, uh, music or working with your hands, building kind of stuff. There's all kinds of ministry ways that you can use those gifts. There's just art, whatever it might be. I'm willing, no matter how busy it gets, to have a string of appointments of people saying, hey, I feel like God's calling me to this, but I'm not really sure how to, how to do this. I would love all of those appointments to, to help, right? Just don't do this. Don't come and say, here's what you should do, Jamie. I got my calling, all right? I don't need yours, and I'm not going to give you mine right? Together, though, right, we can, and I believe we will. And so that's all I want you to consider today, is what is God calling me to today? Not in 10 years, not last year. What is he calling me today, and what might I need to do? What's the step to step into that calling? If you're not sure, pray. God will give you something. God, what do you want me to do? You think he's going to say nothing? No. He's already created for you good works that he's prepared long ago to step into. Let's pray. Because prayer is what we need. Father, I, I ask you to touch the minds and hearts of every single boy, girl, man, woman in this room. Thank you for the gifts that you've put here. The gifts of art and music, gifts of of teaching, the gifts of, of using our hands, gifts of leadership, gifts of mercy and helping and generosity. Oh God, you have given us so many passions and pursuits that are from you. And God, I pray that you would show us how to continue to use them for your glory and for the good of the gospel. I ask for the pursuits of the world that are tempting us to draw strangely, strangely dim to us as we see bright who you are, God. I pray that you would present clear opportunities for all of us to step into, me included, whatever you want me to do, let me be willing and able. Lord, I pray for those who grow weary of, of, of stepping into the calling you've given them, grown frustrated or disappointed. Would you encourage them this morning? Keep going. That's going to come. The struggle is always part of the beautiful blessing. And Lord, would you just give them that extra step today to say, no, I'm going to keep going into the calling God's given me. 
Would you remind us how pleased that makes you? And Father, for anyone who's on the sidelines, they've never known Christ, they've never believed in Jesus, that today would be the day they just lay their yes of faith, they just repent of their of their previous sin and past and know the forgiveness of the cross and they would believe and say, Jesus, be my Savior and Lord. And that you've called them into relationship so that you might give them a calling for the rest of their life. Oh Lord, we just give this to you. We praise you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's worship him through song together. Let's sing.